this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of FE Church, and this is our podcast. Good morning, Freedom Valley Church. What, what an intro. Let's give a hand for that media team. I'm like, feel pumped up. Feel pumped up to get this service started. The Lion of Judah. Is everybody having a good day? Yes? Yes, we're alive. We got our coffee. I know Pastor Aaron had his Red Bull, so he's got wings. You know, he's flying around. <laughs> it's good to be back in Freedom Valley. It really feels like my second home in the U.S., you know? I, if you don't know me personally, I live in Pittsburgh. I'm repping the uh, Penn's old hockey gear. Do we have any Penn's fans in the house? We got, I see one in the back. Let's, there we go. Let's go. Sorry, Flyers, if you're a Philly fan. Philly teams stink. Joking, joking. Forgive me. Um, but no, it's really good to be here. I see some very familiar faces, and I'm blessed that Candace invited me back. I was just in Africa a few weeks ago, oh, about two weeks ago, and one of those numbers is incorrect now because we just trained over 600 evangelists from the Tanzania Assemblies of God on how we do. Yes, and that's... You are a part of that. They are, they are one of the biggest organized groups of evangelists in the whole continent of Africa. Um, so we got to go. We were asked by uh, the Assemblies of God, the overseer of the whole continent, to come and to train them on street evangelism, on preaching the gospel, on um, moving in faith. And it was just a wonderful time. So thank you. I wanted to give a report in that. And we were on the streets for one day with all 600 of them. And we sent them out and we saw 753 people give their lives to Jesus. And I just, all glory to God. And just watching that video, I, I feel so, so honored to be a part of it. But I just, I think about the power of the gospel. I think about the power of Jesus to, to transform a city, but more transform individual lives. And I know so many of us have been impacted by Jesus and by the gospel. So it is really just my honor to be here this morning because I know how much Jesus has impacted my life. I remember um, I was 16. I actually still lived in Gettysburg. And I don't think I've told this story, but if I had, it's probably one of my favorite stories. So I'll tell it again. Uh, it was my first trip. We were in Lusaka, Zambia, my first time in Africa. And at this point in my life, uh, you know, I, I kind of believed that God was real, but I was kind of like, you know, maybe when I'm older, I'll do that, you know, God thing or that like church thing. And I was sitting there and for one of the first times in my life, and it was probably just because I was actually paying attention, I heard the gospel being preached on this stage by evangelist Johannes who runs and I remember as he was preaching the gospel, as he was preaching about Jesus and his death and his resurrection and how Jesus defeated the devil, and defeated sin and sickness and disease and death. I watched for the first time people being healed. I watched for the first time people being set free. And I remember I was standing back looking over the crowd and there was this lady being pushed in with a wheelchair and her legs were, were so skinny. And when I mean skinny, uh, uh, it, it was just bone. And she was being pushed in by who later I figured out was her brother. And she was pushed to the front. And uh, Johannes preached the message. And then afterwards, he started talking about how Jesus can heal the sick. And I remember they were with that woman and they were praying for her. And I'm watching kind of skeptical, like, uh, let's see how this goes, you know. Um, and I'm watching and they start to pick this woman up out of her wheelchair. And my first thought is, what are they doing? Like, they can hurt her, or are they crazy? And I watched as they started to have her move, like try to walk. And now I'm looking, I'm either like, you're dumb, or you got crazy faith that, you know, I just don't understand. And I watch as this lady is literally falling, and now I'm kind of getting upset. But all of a sudden, I see them, you know, they're praying, they have their hands on her, and her legs go from shaking and almost falling to the ground to slowly and slowly becoming more and more sturdy. And, you know, I'm still skeptical, but all of a sudden I watch her not fall, but start to walk. And she went from walking to jumping and from jumping to running. And that same lady took that wheelchair. Yeah, we can clap for Jesus. She took the wheelchair and she pushed it up the back of the ramp to get on top of onto the stage where they then showed the crowd what miracle Jesus had done. 
And it was the first time in my life where I recognized one, that God was not only real, but he was alive and he was active and he would use individuals to be his mouthpiece and to be his hands and his feet on this earth. And honestly, that was probably the first time in my life, that was probably where I really surrendered my life to Jesus. And today I'm still a follower of Jesus, not because of the miracles, but because what he has so radically done in my life and in my heart. And today we get to talk about, Candace talked about how we see Jesus last week. And this week I wanna talk about how Jesus sees us. And I was reading an article the other day. How many of you know, like you get on Google and you see some random article and you're like, that seems interesting, you just click on it. And I clicked on it and it was talking about stories. It's talking about the power of stories and it talked about how stories, you know, we all love stories and it talked about how they're useful in business and marketing and life. You know, we all know, sit around the campfire, telling stories, laughing with our friends and it started to list off different stories. It started to talk about fables and fairy tales and narratives and, and novels and it would go on and, on and so on and so on. And it talked about how for all of us, stories, it invokes emotion. It invokes uh, feelings of togetherness, feelings of sometimes anger, sometimes sadness, sometimes empathy and compassion and happiness. And as I continued to read, it talked about how when we're listening to stories, our brains naturally put us into the story, into the characters that we're watching. And I actually started to laugh because how many of you know, like, if you've heard of David and Goliath, the story, it's, you know, it's, it's David and he throws this rock at this massive giant and David's small. None of us ever put ourselves as Goliath. You know what I'm saying? It's like, no, I'm the one who's winning that battle. And I was like... Even when I think like, when I think about Spider-Man as a kid, I'm like, no way am I Peter Parker before he gets bit by the spider. You know what I'm saying? I'm Peter Parker after he gets bit by the spider because I want to be Spider-Man. Anyone with me? You ever put yourself into a story? But what really caught me about that article was a quote that I saw. And it really, it really hit me. And this is what the quote said. It says, stories make us feel as though we're a part of something bigger. And it's so true, stories are powerful and they can invoke emotion and feeling and passion in us. But, and I believe that's true, but something in me, really, I felt sad about hearing that quote because I think for all of us, we don't need fiction stories to make, make us feel as though we're a part of something bigger. We don't need fiction stories to make us feel as though we're a part of something bigger because everyone in this room and everyone watching online, we're all a part of a story. No matter your career, no matter the size of your bank account, no matter where you come from, the color of your skin, everyone here, everyone listening, we're part of a story. And what if I told you that this story was real? What if this story was real and, and so real that it impacts everyone here, everyone online personally, but not just personally, it is so much bigger than us individually. It impacts us personally, but it's so much bigger than us individually. And it's not just us. There's other people who are part of this story. Your friends, your grandma, your mom, your dad, your enemies. So you may call them. We're all a part of a story. And the story I'm speaking about is God's story of redemption. I'm talking about humanity's story. I'm talking about our story. The story that God has been working and revealing himself through. And that story is history. God has been revealing himself through history. He's been working through people to show himself and to redeem what was broken. Give me a wave. Can I run you through a story? Give me a wave if I can tell you a quick story. I'm going to run through this really quick. And I love um, Christmas time a little bit. We're coming up on the birth of Jesus. And I love the Bible because I believe it tells us so much about history and life. And it changes our worldview. And it's true and it's powerful and it's real. The Bible is not like... Peter Pan, you know, it's real. It's, it's, not, it's not a fiction story. And 
We come around the time of Jesus and Jesus' birth, and then we look at the Bible and we see all these prophecies that spoke about this one, this someone who would come to do something. And we see that the Bible tells us that God created each of us. He created us, mankind, in his image, in his likeness, and he gave us authority to rule over the earth that he created with his backing. But you see, mankind was tempted by the devil. Many of you know this story. It's a very common story. Mankind was tempted by the devil. And mankind, we chose our wisdom above God's wisdom. And we sinned and we rebelled against God and chose to follow and to do something God had asked us not to do. And then it talks about how at that very moment after it happened, God made a prophecy. He spoke into the future of something that was going to happen. He said, someone would come through the seed of that woman, Eve, Adam and Eve, the first woman. He said a seed through her offspring, one would come who would crush the head of this serpent, meaning the devil, and he would bite his heel. So immediately in this story, God is speaking to one day someone would come to crush the head of the one who had made mankind fall into temptation. And through sin brought in sickness and disease, it brought in brokenness, it brought in separation from God. So God immediately starts his plan of redeeming what we messed up through our choices. And it talks about he goes to a man called Abraham and, he, and Abraham was the first of the Israelites. God chose to reveal himself through real people. And he said to Abraham, through your seed, through your offspring, will all nations be blessed, all people be blessed through your descendants. Generations later, God spoke to King David, a real king in Israel. And he said, from your descendants, which King David came from Abraham, same line. He said, King David, from your descendants will come one whose kingdom will be established for all time. He said, King David, someone's going to come through you. And when he comes, his kingdom, his rulership, his authority, his redeeming power will come and it will be established forever. And we see 14 generations later, Jesus is born on this earth, a real person. And we see as he gets into his adult life, into his ministry, he starts to speak and tell people, the kingdom is at hand. And we see him going into towns and we see him healing the sick and we see him casting out demons and we see people's lives being changed, sin being forgiven, families being restored, evil being rooted out as Jesus was going to town after town after town. And then the Bible says that the, very, the Jews who God came through and was revealing himself through, they didn't expect the Messiah, that Savior, to come in the way Jesus came. And so he was crucified on a cross. But you see what the devil meant for evil and killing Jesus, God in the flesh, was he didn't know that through Jesus' death, he would resurrect and he would conquer death and he would conquer sin and he would live a perfect life that me and you could never live so that through faith in Jesus Christ, his righteousness would be declared unto us through faith in him. So there's a story of redemption, but I've come to tell you that this story is not over. Jesus goes to his disciples, his friends, his homeboys, his, his people who have been with him, who have been following him, who he was their teacher. And he said, hey, I'm going to send my spirit upon you, the Holy Spirit, God, to breathe life into you and to empower you to go out. And so right now, Jesus' first coming took place. Everyone put up one like this. You with me? One, his first coming took place where Jesus came and he defeated sin, death, and the devil and he broke Satan's authority and he gave authority back to his images, us. And right now we're living in a period of grace. We can put that on the screen if we have it. We're, li we're living in a period of grace before the second coming of Jesus. And this period of grace that we are now living in is a period where Jesus' mission of preaching the gospel, of expanding his kingdom, of rooting out evil and seeking the lost who have not been found by Jesus, those who are far from Jesus, it's, his mission continues through the church. His mission continues through you, through me. 
through anointed, empowered individuals who he has sent out into his world to be his ambassador, to be his witness. Until the second coming where Jesus will come and where his kingdom will be fully established, where the devil will be fully thrown into the lake of fire, the Bible says, destroyed, and where we will live with God. He will be our God. And he will be his people. It says there'll be no more mourning or crying and he'll wipe every tear away. But we live in the fullness of his glory and his presence. We're all a part of this story. How does Jesus see us? Jesus sees you as a part of the story. Jesus sees us. Jesus sees you as a part of this unfinished, this unfolding story that is taking place. We don't need to look to other fiction stories to feel as though we're a part of something because you are. You've been empowered. You've been chosen for a purpose, and that's to reveal Jesus to the world. And today I want to start in Revelation 7, 9 through 10. We can put it up on the screen if we have it. And I want to show us how Jesus sees each of us as a part of this story. And here's the end result of the church. Here's the end result of what me and you will do when we will come a part of this story, when we will be used by God. This is the end result. It says, after this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number. And this is John. And he's having a revelation of what heaven will be after the great tribulation. And he says this from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne. And before the lamb who is Jesus, they call him lamb because he was killed clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, crying out in loud, with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Jesus, the Lamb. He first became the Lamb before he could become the Lion, right? He died and then he triumphed. And it's such a beautiful picture. And we see People from every tribe, from different countries, from different people groups who are standing before God. And it says they're clothed in white robes, which means they put their faith in Jesus and his blood washed them clean. So that they could come into the presence of God, not because of the good works that they had done, but because what Jesus had done and the faith that they put in him. A place where there's no crying, there's no mourning, but there was worship. I can see me and my closest friends standing before God. I can see me and my family worshiping God. See, we are a part of this. We are a part of seeing the Great Commission take place. We are a part of seeing people come to heaven, to people on earth encountering Jesus so that they will go to heaven. You are a part of bringing this into fulfillment. We are a part of fulfilling the Great Commission. We are a part of seeing God's kingdom, his restoring, redeeming purposes take place on this earth as it is in heaven. We are a part of reflecting, revealing Jesus to people as he so powerfully works within us through his spirit. Matthew 24, 14, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. We have a powerful gospel. We have a spirit, the spirit of God that's working in and through us. We're a part of this story, and this story is not finished. Let's go to Mark 16. Mark 16, 15 through 20. We're going to see how Jesus sees us. We're going to see how he equips us. You ready? Give me a wave if you're ready. We ready in Gettysburg. It's freezing in here. Not in here, but in Gettysburg. I like came back from Africa recently, and it is freezing. It's messed up. Like, it's messed up. <laughs> it's funny how your body changes so much. You know, when you're in a place, after like two weeks, after two weeks when I'm in Africa, I'll stop sweating constantly throughout all times of the day. Because your body gets used to the gets used to the temperature, 
And then I come here and it's like Antarctica. It's like, what is happening? Oh my goodness. Woo. Okay, okay, let's go into this verse. I'm going to break it down, but let me start with this. And he said to them, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples before he sends the Holy Spirit and before he ascends to heaven. He says this, he says, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to all of creation, to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. In Matthew, it says, Jesus says to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go in my authority. Therefore, go in the power that I've given you through the Spirit. Each of us, it is not a request to preach the gospel. Jesus doesn't say, hey, if you feel like it, if you ain't scared, you know, if you're scared, don't do it. You're okay. No, he says, go. He says, be bold. He says, step out in what I've given you. And you know, I, I, I understand, I understand it can be fearful, but we have to understand that the power of the gospel, it is in, not in us, it's not in our wise and persuasive words, it's in, in a demonstration of the Spirit's power who's working in us. Romans 1.16 says that the power to salvation is the gospel. It's in Jesus' death and resurrection. It's not in us. And you know, proclamation, it doesn't just mean on a stage. It doesn't just mean on a big platform in Africa. It can be in your everyday life. It can be in a conversation. It can be in the questions you ask that lead people to the person and the redeeming work of Jesus. Jesus has commanded us to go and to proclaim this gospel everywhere. It is the most crucial aspect of seeing his kingdom, his redeeming work, his rulership, his authority take place in our lives and in the communities and the neighborhoods and the workplace that we are in. Because as we preach the gospel, as we preach his word, that is where the power is. And that is what the Holy Spirit will use to convict hearts. Sin. It's not in us. And we'll step out of fear. And then we'll step into faith. We'll step out of our works and our wise words. And we'll lean on to grace. We'll see as God will move mightily in our lives. But it's going to take faith. It's going to take stepping out of fear. It's going to take conversations with people. Proclaim the gospel. It's not a And then he continues on, and he says, And these signs will accompany those who believe. As, as the church is continuing this mission of expanding his kingdom here on earth, of rooting out evil, of reaching the lost, he says, these signs are going to accompany you as you preach this gospel, as you step out in faith, as you step out of fear and be bold. Getting loud on you now. <laughs> He says, in my name, not in Jeremiah's name, not in Johannes' name who leads SOS, not in Candace's name, in Jesus' name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you understand this if you don't in a second. Don't worry. They will lay their hands on sick people, and they will recover. Amen. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and they preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. What a powerful scripture. I don't, if that doesn't get you pumped up to go to be a part of this unfinished story, I don't know what will. But he says this. These signs will accompany you, my church, my anointed ones who I'm sending out in my power, in my name. They will cast out demons. What he means is they will take authority over the enemy. 
You will pray for your friend who's struggling with depression. Say, depression, go. You will pray against the lies that the enemy will speak into your mind. In Jesus' name. Because Jesus' name is above every rule, authority, every power, every dominion, every plan of the enemy to destroy your life and the lives around you. The Bible says that we are to contend with him. He is our adversary. We're to step out in faith and authority given to us by Jesus' death and resurrection and tell the devil who is defeated, but we still evil, that, hey, I'm coming with the authority and the power of the risen Jesus. Take authority over the devil. Declare Jesus' authority above his lies. And then it continues on. They will speak in new tongues. And what he's saying is you will live a supernatural life. You will be used by the Holy Spirit. I won't get into all that, but 1 Corinthians 12 talks about gifts that come from the Spirit who's working so powerfully within us. And these gifts are so that we may be used to reach others. If you don't know what they are, look into them. Words of knowledge and of wisdom. It talks about speaking in tongues, about healing. Look into them because we're called to live a supernatural life. It's not weird. It's because we serve a supernatural God. A God who is all-powerful, almighty. Stop making it weird. Jesus, God, powerful. Let's walk in the supernatural. Let's show this world that there's something different, that there's something special about this message. There's something powerful about Jesus. Step out in faith. Who cares what they think about us? Who cares about what they think about me, what they think about you? Let's show them Jesus. Let's show them his power. Let's show them his love and what he did for them. And then he says this, which is a kind of a funny verse, um, if you, it, depending on how you read it. They will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. He's not saying go and drink poison, you know. He's, he's, not, he's not saying be dumb. He's simply saying you will go out in my power and my protection as you go out and as you proclaim my gospel with your friends, with your coworkers, with your neighbors, because I've commanded you and asked you to in obedience. And not only in obedience, because there is lives at stake. It says, in that first verse, what does it say? Proclaim the gospel to all creation. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. God is loving, but he is full of justice. And if you reject him, and you choose your will over his will, you will get your will. The punishment for sin is death, not death physically, which will happen, but eternally. Separation from him. We all know people. Their judgment is sure, and God wants to use us to proclaim this gospel, to proclaim his power, to proclaim his freedom, to see his redeeming work take place here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Let's proclaim the gospel. Let's believe that God will show up in a circumstance. Let's believe that God is who he say he is. Let's not hold him in a box because we feel uncomfortable. Let's not put him in a little box because we don't know what's going to happen. That's on him. We do what he's asked us to do, and that's proclaim the gospel. That's lay our hands on the sick, and that's believe in faith that God will show up. And if he doesn't in that moment, it's for good. He doesn't always show up how we expect. Still with me? Not shouting at you or anything? They went out and they preached everywhere. I believe that Peter and I will be known for how boldly you proclaim the gospel. For how boldly you step out in uncomfortable situations. How boldly you believe and expect God to show up. When I preach about Jesus, I expect whatever God brings. He's not limited to what we expect and to our experiences. I got to watch the time because I like to talk. What do we got here? Anyone like to talk? I talk too much, I know. Forgive me online. Don't worry. 
I'll, I'll be wrapping up in a little bit. Okay, now let's go to Acts 1, 8 through 11. So we see this, we see that we are part of this unfinished story. That one day every tribe, every nation, every tongue will be represented in heaven. And we are part of seeing this great commission. Jesus commanding us to go as his church and continue to spread this news and to see his redeeming power take place, to see the lost found. You with me? And this is what he says. He doesn't send us out without empowering us. But you will receive power. This is what he's saying to his disciples. This is what he's saying to us. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, it was two angels, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from, up into, up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go. He's coming back, church. He's coming back. heard this the other day and it's so true the primary way that God is at work through his spirit in this world is through you the primary way that God is working through the spirit is through individuals through his church through believers who will say I don't care about my reputation I don't care if it's scary but I'm going to step out in boldness because that's what Jesus has asked me to do and when I do he will show up to confirm his word Maybe not the way that I expect it every time, but it will take place. He didn't leave his disciples alone. He doesn't leave us alone, but he empowers us with his spirit who works within us to step out in faith. Step out in faith. It's an unfinished story, and he's called us all to be a part of it. It's an unfinished story, and he's called us all to be led by his spirit to the world, to people. Jesus commands us to preach the gospel and tells us what will accompany, that it will accompany with signs, wonders, miracles, and the supernatural. He equips us with his spirit so that we can be his witnesses, so that we can represent him to this world, so that we and point people to him. All things are for his glory. Every number that we see from that video, it's all for his glory. Every life that was changed, it's all his for his glory. And guess what? He used individuals. Let me tell you a story. Evangelist Johannes one time was walking. I don't remember if it was in Austria, wherever he was, but he was walking on the street. And all of a sudden he felt he sensed a still small voice, the still small voice of the Holy Spirit. And he sensed, go into that house. And I hope I tell this story. If, if There might be minimal things, but the overarching thing that I'm telling is true. He heard, go into this house. It was either a house or an apartment, small details like that. And Johannes thought to his head, why would I go in there? Why the heck would I go into this random house? I don't know who's there. I don't know if they got a gun. I don't know what's going to happen. And he kept walking, but he felt such an urge. He, he was being pulled to go into that house. So he went, he opened the door, and he stepped foot into the house. And all of a sudden, he felt another another tugging in his inner, in his spirit. And he felt, go to the back room. And he started to walk to the back room. And he said, as he opened that door, he stepped in, and there was a woman putting, stepping on a chair. She was about to hang herself. And he said he dropped down on his knees and he started to cry out to her, don't do it. Don't do it. God has led me here to tell you he has a purpose in your life. God led me here to tell you that he loves you and died for you. Before the woman could kill herself, she took the rope off of her neck and she got down on her knees and began to cry. 
And on the ground there, she came in contact with the risen Jesus, with his presence, with his power, with his death and his resurrection. And on that floor, she gave, she surrendered her life to Jesus. Her life was completely changed. God wants to use you. It's an unfinished story. Your story is unfinished. How are you going to choose to walk out the rest of your years? You don't have to be a part of it. You can go to church every Sunday and go home and sit. I don't want to be too harsh here, but I want to be real at the same time. You can go through the motions. You can go through the religious things. But if you don't want to, which is okay, you will go to heaven. But Jesus has something so much more powerful so much greater, that he wants to use you in mighty ways to impact his kingdom. I'm not saying going to church is a bad thing. It's a great thing. It's good to be in church, to be around people who sharpen you who, and who give you the passion to do what we're talking about today, who push you to do it. Don't be around people who are just sitting. He's, what do the angels say? They say, why are you standing here looking into heaven? They're saying, go. There's a mission to do. There's an unfinished story. And you've been equipped and empowered to be his representative. Why are you still standing here? They didn't say we should look to heaven and be waiting. And I'm so excited, but we should be moving at the same time. Amen? Jesus sees you as a part of this unfinished story, but do you? How do you see yourself? Jesus sees you. He wants to use you in powerful ways, so much greater than you can use. I'm only standing on this stage because of what God has so powerful, because of what His Spirit has so powerfully done. Course. It required intentionality. It required a pressing in. And I'm not here to boast upon myself, but I'm here to say we have to press into his spirit. We have to press into a relationship with him. We have to press into faith. And step away from critical and doubt and fear. Step into faith. We'll see the miraculous take place. We'll see lives transformed. We'll see families restored. We'll see depression broken. We'll see the lost found. Jesus sees you as a part of the story, but do you? Start to see yourself through this life. Start to see yourself through the eyes of Jesus, how he sees you. We're the church. Piano, we can come up, or if we start a piano. When I came today, I, I prayed that I wouldn't come with wise and persuasive words like Paul says. But I wanted to come with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. Because He so powerfully wants to work in and through you. I don't want to keep pointing it back to my life, but I've just seen how God has used me in ways I didn't expect. Not because I'm so smart. Not because of my age. It doesn't matter your age. He can use you where you are. There's still a story you have to write. Will you be a part of this story? Will you be a part of seeing lives changed and families restored and the broken healed? Will you be a part of seeing people who will be eternally separated from God come to know Him and have faith in Him so that through Him they may have life? This story is real and it has eternal impacts. I'm not saying it's all on you, but there is a part that is on you. You do have a responsibility. All I'm saying is step out in faith. All I'm saying is proclaim this gospel. All I'm saying is Jesus is resurrected and he has called us to take part in this story. pray that right now that everyone in
in this room that they would sense your presence. I pray that you would stir up something in their heart that says you have more for them as they step out. Let them see you. Let them see themselves how you see them. And each of you, I want to challenge you this week. Are you ready? Wave at me if you're ready. You ready? I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to step out in faith and be a part of God's kingdom being expanded here on earth in this story unfolding. And what does that look like? Well, it may look like you sharing the gospel with someone. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's on the streets with someone random. Maybe it's with a family member who you've been praying for. I don't know, but all I'm asking is step out in faith. Believe for God to show up and do the miraculous. Believe for God to show up and touch their hearts. Or maybe it's stepping out in faith and praying for someone who's sick. Maybe all your life you've never, you've always doubted that God heals, that, that God's really active. Well, maybe step out this month and believe for God to show up and to touch their life. Maybe it's telling someone your testimony, what God's done through you and in you. How he's led you to Jesus. Ask him to open up opportunities for you. Opportunities at your workplace, opportunities with your family as you're coming together with Christmas and with the new year. Have him pray, God, bring someone to me. Open up a conversation. Revelation 21, 3 through 4. I don't have this on the screen, but I just want to read it to you as we're getting ready to close the service. It's a picture of heaven. It says, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. put your faith in him and his death and his resurrection and, and confess with your mouth that he is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead if you're here today I want to tell you that he loves you that he wants to spend eternity in heaven with you but if you don't put your faith in him there's no works that you can do that can save you. So on the count of three, if you're here and you say, I want to confess and I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I want to turn from sin and put my faith in him. On the count of three, I want you to lift up your hand. Right now, if I can have everyone, if you're comfortable, close your eyes and bow your head. I want to make this an intimate time. I want to make this a choice for each person in here. If you've never confessed your sin and turned to Jesus, you will have the opportunity now. loves you. Two, he wants to spend eternity with you. And three, lift up your hand if you want to do this for the first time right now. If you're here in this room and you say, I want to put my faith in Jesus. And as you put up your hand, you're simply saying to Jesus, I trust in you. I trust in you. I'm turning from sin and I'm putting my life in your hands. Right now, can everyone in this room pray after me? We're going to pray a prayer for everyone who said yes to Jesus today. And I want the, everyone to pray. Let's all say, Jesus. Let's be bold. Let's be loud. Jesus, thank you that you came. Thank you that you died on the cross. I believe that you rose again. I believe that you conquered sin and death. Today I turn from sin. I confess I am a sinner. 
to Jesus. Now, right now, can we all stand as we're getting ready to, to close the service? And I want to do one last call for everyone who's in here. There's an unfinished story, and God wants to use you to be a part of it. He's empowered you, equipped you. So if you're here today and you say, I've really been struggling and stepping out in faith. You know, I've really been struggling with sharing my faith, but I want to. Or maybe you're here and you say, I've been doubting that God is really moving and I've been doubting that he heals people, but, but I want to step out in faith and believe for that to take place. Or maybe you're here and you've just been so, so stuck in fear and you want to break free. I want you to lift up your hand right now if that's you and you want to be a part of this unfinished story. If you're here and you say, Jesus, I want to be a part of this story. Jesus, I want to be your hands and your feet. I want you to lift up your hand right now. If you're lifting up your hand, I want you to just come forward. I want you to come forward. I want to pray for you. If you lift up your hand, come forward. Not everyone's going to come. I want, I want those who are saying, I want to step out in greater faith. I want to be a part of this story. I'm not going to sit anymore. I'm going to move. And I'm going to be a part of what God is doing on this earth. I will reach the lost. And if you're here, I just want you to start to lift up your hands. As I was praying for this service and what the Holy Spirit would do, he put a scripture on my heart. And this is what it says. The disciples were going through persecution. Sharing the gospel will continue to get harder and harder. It will confront our culture. This is what they prayed. These disciples prayed to God. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hands to heal, and do signs and wonders that are performed through your name and through Jesus. And when they prayed, when these disciples prayed, it said that the place where they were gathered was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they continued to speak and to preach with boldness. I believe that God is raising up in this house people who will step out of fear and to step into faith. And right now I want to go into this worship song and I want you to lift up your hands and I want you to begin to sing this song. I want you to begin to declare this song that God is bigger than we thought, that he's greater, that his power is so mighty. And then I'm going to pray for you. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash I-N-N. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links. And then I'm going to pray for you, but let's sing this song. Lift up your hands. Shake it.
now God we just pray over everyone here if you're up front just put out your hands like this like you're receiving a gift Lord I pray over everyone who's in front here I pray that a greater measure of boldness would be given to them I pray that they will leave this place and they will start to step out in greater faith like they've never had before Spirit, I ask that you would pour yourself out on them, that you would continue to fill them daily so that they may be poured out onto their friends and their co-workers and the world that is around them. Holy Spirit, I pray that you anoint them with power. God, I pray that you would anoint their lips so when they preach and when they speak your gospel, I pray that your spirit will work so powerfully through them. 
pray that you would anoint their hands when they pray for the sick, God, that they would see your wonder and your miraculous power take place. Right now, I come against fear. Right now, I come against a critical spirit, a doubtful spirit, and I release faith over every person right here. If you're a pastor or a part of leadership, can we start to lay hands on them? God, I pray that you would use them, that you would commission them to preach your gospel, to walk out in faith, to see the great commission take place. God, use them in greater ways that they could ever imagine. Use them to bring you glory. Use them to impact their neighborhoods and their communities and their workplaces through the power of your spirit. Let your kingdom be expanded through them and everyone in this room. Holy Spirit, I thank you for every seed that was planted. I thank you for every person that will leave here stepping out in new faith. If you're here in this room and you need a healing and you feel comfortable, can you just lift your hand right now? If you need a healing and lift up your hand. I want to pray for you right now. If you're near someone who's lifting their hand and they feel comfortable, can you go and lay your hands on them? not just me, but all of us can pray for them. Right now, Lord, I pray over everyone who lifted their hand in this room. Whether it be a legs or a back, a heart, a head, whatever the problem is, God, I rebuke it in the name of Jesus and I release healing right now. Jesus, let your healing power touch their bodies. Let your healing power touch their legs. Let your healing power touch their minds. Jesus mighty name let's end with a song or Candace can we just thank Jeremiah for that word thank you for speaking into us thank you for coming listen we're going to keep the altars open you're welcome to stay and pray for as long as you'd like uh, but the rest of you are dismissed you're welcome to go pick up your kids and all of that remember that next week is our Christmas cookie contest. We've got a bunch of Christmas events going on next week. Check out the event page for all of that. We bless you. Thank you for being here with us. We love you, Freedom Valley. We'll see you next week.